It's Friday, and one week from today, Infinity War will be in cinemas, and I probably won't have seen it yet. But regardless, <laughs> we're still talking about superheroes, and Todd is here to join me. Hello, Todd. Hey. So, continuing our discussion, uh, we were talking last week about a lot of Marvel and DC games, uh, mostly Marvel, which seems to be the standard for yeah. you know what's available. They seem to just have more good stuff in the board game universe. Although there's a lot of Batman games from 40 years ago that probably aren't particularly good. But I want to talk today first and foremost about a game that has nothing to do with either of these. Although I think a lot of the characters people have said, well, this is a spin-off of this character, which mm-hmm. I think can only mm-hmm. be expected in superheroes, really. But that is Sentinels of the Multiverse. Yes. Have you played this? I have. Have you dug into the depths of everything that's available for it? <laughs> I have not. I've only <laughs> played the base game. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've played the base and I've added about three characters to it, I think. Right. Um but this, I mean, briefly, you know, describe to us what we're dealing with with Sentinels. Well, you've played it more than I do, so why don't you okay. explain it? So Sentinels of the Multiverse is a superhero game about a completely fresh pantheon of characters. Um, previous comment about similarities, notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. And the idea in this one is you it's a cooperative game where you fight against a villain and you are each in control of one superhero. And the villain and each superhero and the location in which you are fighting are all individual decks of cards. And those decks of cards are incredibly thematic. I mean, ultimately, Mm -hmm. they do numbers, points of damage and add statistics. And it's an incredibly crunchy numbers game. And we're going to come on to that point in a minute. But you are... My deck of card, if I am playing Ra, the Sun God, all of the cards in my hand are going to be... Uh, in relation to sun powers, heat, fire, um, solar energy, they will all have some theme tied into them. And it makes me feel that the five damage I just did to the three enemies across the thing is me throwing a gigantic fireball at them. (laughs) It's really good at evoking the theme that is put into itself. And these characters all have backstories, which is really, really cool. And this game has a complexity system whereby it will actually say to you, this character's really complicated, don't start with them. Or this character's really easy, if you don't know what you're doing, here's a good place to start. Sentinels of the Multiverse is not a good place to start if you are trying to get into board games and you want a superhero theme. It is the most superhero theme-y board game going, but it is crunchy and it is complicated and it involves so many pieces that a lot of people, I think, have stopped playing the board game and switched to the (laughs) app because the app does all that work for you. Yeah, because it's very mathy. It's very mathy. And you have... One character can have seven different statistic... uh, Like, uh, status effects tokens on them at Mm -hmm. one point saying they do extra damage but they take more damage from fire and they can't use water and whatever else it happens to be right but it's such a good game i've really enjoyed this experience whenever i've played it have you played it mostly solo or i actually have uh, i've played two multiplayer games uh, in my time which i also enjoyed okay um but i i don't know that many people that want to get into something this crunchy once you start (laughs) pouring the tokens out onto the table and the mountain gets a little bit bigger and bigger and bigger and you can't Mm -hmm. see the other players over the mountain of tokens right yeah some people that's i'm exaggerating but some people just don't like exactly how crunchy it looks right but the basic rules of the game aren't that difficult are they're not and that's the thing it's one of those weird things that the game itself is so simple Mm -hmm. i play a card i do damage to you and i apply a status effect to myself 
The problem is it's after you've had the seven status effects applied and you're trying to keep track of everything that's going on. That's what yeah. puts people off this game, I yeah. think. So I can see why the app would be more popular because it will do all that calculation for you. Right. Yeah. But the really cool thing with this is that the bad guys and the location are automated. Mm-hmm. So you take your turn. I think the bad guy goes, again, I haven't played this for a while, which is, is terrible. I feel like I've been saying that for the whole of this podcast. But <laughs> the, I think the villain takes his turn and does a thing, and it's an automated draw of the deck. You draw his top card. And based on what's out, it may change how they behave. Right. So Baron Blade, who is the first villain that you will face, mm-hmm. if certain cards are in play, he behaves differently compared to if certain other cards are in play. And he's also very weak. He doesn't have that many health points, but as soon as you knock him out, he flips over and becomes the arch-villain version of himself, who, if I remember correctly, is trying to crash the moon into the earth. Uh, <laughs> and you have to try and stop him. So it's kind of, you know, he's got these really cool things that everything about him is really thematic. Right. And he has these defense platforms that you can't you can't hurt him until you've knocked them out if they're in play and all this kind of thing. But it's all automated. And then Mm. you each take your turns one at a time and play out however you're going to play out. And then the location triggers an effect. And that may say, you know, there's water everywhere. You can't use lightning powers because you'll zap yourselves or, Mm -hmm. you know, or you can, but you'll do damage back to yourselves because of the feedback and this kind of thing. So it's, it's a very, you never feel like you are controlling a villain somehow or having to decide what the villain does because they do it all for you. Yeah. And that makes it so great because you are fighting against an unknown. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you can tell what the deck's going to do, but yeah. um, I really, really like it for all those reasons. I think it's a it's a fabulous game, and I think it's something that if you can bear to stick with the crunch, stick with the crunch because it's worth the experience. Right, right. Um, I think uh, just give it a couple of plays to get used to it before you judge it. Right, or just I guess play the app. I haven't tried it, but apparently <laughs> it's great. Um, but yeah, that Sentinels of the Multiverse. Something that you can sort of quasi-talk about at this point, I believe, uh, is a game that I have a great interest in playing, despite my comments about not liking DC Mm -hmm. uh, particularly, but it's the one character I do like, and that is Batman. Because this game is not out, and we don't often touch on Kickstarter stuff here, but there's a game coming out called Batman Gotham City Chronicles, and there was no way we could have this podcast and not talk about this game. Yeah. Because it's just ripped Kickstarter apart Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. how popular it's become. Yeah, it's, it's published by Monolith Games. Uh, they published their first game a couple years back uh, called Conan. And Conan, uh, based on the Robert E. Howard character, is is essentially the same game that Batman is. Batman does a, a few refinements. It adds a couple more uh, uh, things, but it's basically the same game. And I kickstarted Conan, and uh, when it arrived, it sat on my shelf for almost a year before I broke it out and, and finally played it. And it has become one of my favorite games of all time. Really? It is... Very much like uh, Imperial Assault or Descent, it's a one versus many style uh, scenario game, mm. um, but with very streamlined, very simplistic uh, uh, rules. I, I would almost say it's like if, if a Euro game designer had looked at Imperial Assault and said, I can make this game better. Interesting. And usually in these types of games, whoever plays the overlord or the bad guy who controls all of the, the bad guys in the scenario, their job is is quite hard. You have a large rule book. There's lots of little things you have to take care of. The regular players only have a couple of things they need to worry about. So I do this action and that action. I have these cards that affect my, my dice pool or whatever. But Conan is so simple that after playing it once... You could play the Overlord. You could be the bad guy. Interesting. Uh, the the base mechanic is you have this uh, this tablet called in Conan the Book of Skelios, where you have all of your bad guys on it, 
and there'll be gems above each one and you will use gems from your pool to activate two of them and depending on where they are within the line it'll cost you more gems so towards the front of the line it's going to be one gem at the end of the line it's going to be eight right when you use someone they go to the end of the line so i could use them again but now it would cost me eight of my gems oh i like that the gem management is fantastic and for the player characters your gems are your action points but they're also your health so as the bad guy does damage to you it takes away your ability to do actions um, the game is fantastic. Oh, I the like miniatures this. are great, and, right. and from the look of it, the Batman miniatures are out of this world. Oh, they, they're some of the best minis I think I've ever seen. They are. The quality of those is beautiful. Um, the bases even, are all sculpted. Yeah. yeah. The detail is incredible. Uh, there's an expansion that you could buy on the Kickstarter campaign that got you the Batmobile, mm-hmm. and the Batmobile is over six inches long. Like yep. For a minis game, that thing is huge. It's huge. Uh, there's also an expansion which, for some reason, I'm yet to fully understand because I don't know the Batman canon that well. You can have a T-Rex as your ally. Yeah, so you can get the Batcave and somehow... I, I don't know where it comes from either, but uh, Bruce Wayne has a T-Rex that's sitting in his Batcave. I don't know why, but whatever, you get a T-Rex. Yeah, because this is cool. We, yeah. we should tell John Lowndes. He'd love it. Yeah. Um, uh, it's so... I, I adore Conan, and I really thought hard about... Uh, backing uh, Batman, I I didn't in the end because I would want to buy everything, and of course the all-in package was like four hundred dollars. Oh, it's crazy! I mean, the base game is one hundred and forty straight from the outside. Yeah, but here is the worst part: it is only available on Kickstarter. Yeah. So the Kickstarter, which I believe finished last mm, week, something like that. Something like that. It's if you didn't get it in the Kickstarter, you're not going to get it. No, which is I I'm very sad about because I would have loved to yeah. have got this in the future when I have money. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. But one thing I will say, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this was we were talking about how ma- how few superhero games there are out there. Now, yeah. Batman is Batman is Batman. He probably has the most board games of any DC character. Oh, definitely. Possibly even of any individual superhero. I'm not certain. I'm guessing on that. But oh, I would say definitely. Certainly, when I scavenged Board Game Geek for information, I came across a lot of Batman games, particularly mm-hmm. from. Uh, the 70s and the early 90s yeah. uh, although Spider-Man gave him a run for his money in the 90s but this they asked for $500,000 mm-hmm. for this goal they got 4.4 million <laughs> and they got over 19,000 backers yeah now that's a colossal now bearing in mind these days a print run if I'm a if I'm a small ball game designer mm-hmm. and I'm, I've just designed my first game I would be lucky to print a thousand copies for my first print run and for it to you know if I printed 500 and it sold out I might get a second print run of a thousand Mm -hmm. I'm pulling these numbers out of relatively thin air but also based on having talked to people print runs are not big they have a print run already of I'm gonna say 19,000 it won't be Mm because I'm sure a few people pledged a buck just to say that they could join the campaign if that was an offer for this I'm not sure Uh, yeah I think you could pledge ten dollars and then if you wanted to you could up that later on. Yeah, so it's essentially saying I'm part of this campaign and I get to join it later yeah. if I can, which I probably should have done actually. <laughs> but 19,303 people to be precise yeah. have jumped in on this and raised a stupid amount of money for a superhero board game. I feel like that says something about the fact that demand exists, but especially for the popular characters, but yes. for the superhero genre in general. I, I think so. And But specifically for this one, the look of the game was fantastic. As you said, the miniatures oh. were amazing. Yeah. And for anyone who has played Conan, it's such a good game mm. and such a simple game. Um, uh, if it was, if there was, if they were going to do it retail, I would, I would highly, highly recommend that uh, board game cafes get a copy in because I can teach you how to play in five minutes. 
Right. It's not a complicated game. That's Whereas huge. something like Descent or Imperial Assault, I'd be sitting with you for an hour to, to teach you how to play everything. Yeah, for uh, sure. Conan's extremely simple, and, and Batman looks to be about the same level of complexity. Yeah, well, and also that kind of... Um, often when you've got this kind of game, it's that one versus many thing of the, mm. the one has to be somebody who knows the game really, really well, and yeah. you know, kind of what you were talking about earlier. Like, I'm the, the Others is my mini game. Right. I'm not a big miniatures gamer, and I just really love, like, The Seven Sins is a theme I adore, so I pitched yeah. in on that one. But I am always the sin, because yeah. teaching somebody to play the sin on top of teaching everybody else how to play the base game is such a lot of work. Well, exactly. And I have no problem. I love playing the sin, so it doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. But it locks you in. Yeah. I think I've played I've played Faith, the, the good guys. I think I've played them once. Yeah. Um, so it does. I, I love the idea that there's a game out here that is so accessible, that's a minis game, mm-hmm. that has the quality and the scale in terms of gameplay by the looks of it yes. um, that exists in a lot of the others, but with 50% of the complexity at, at the least, if yeah. not more so. Like I said, it, it's like a Euro game designer looked at at one of those style games and said, I can just make this very simple and very elegant. Amazing. It's great. Well, we're running out of time, and there are some more superhero games out there that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, HeroScape did a Marvel game at one point in time. They did? Um, there's a game called Heroes Wanted that I'm very on the fence about, uh, which is actually a competitive game where you run around a board beating up bad guys and then have to punch up the main villain. Right. Except the way that... I've, I've played it twice, Solitaire, and the main villain was the only character who moved. <laughs> uh, everybody else was just a punching bag. Uh, and I was left feeling... More like I was playing Ricochet Robots okay. than I was playing a superhero game. The one cool thing about that is you get to make your own superhero. You draw a top half and a bottom half and make your... So you get like... Oh, um, uh, I think I played as like Cactus in Jeans or something like that once. And you kind of get these wonky characters where you yeah. know, his top half was a, a cactus and the bottom half was a pair of legs in denim or something like that. But it, it's got some cool concepts to it, but I just, I'm just i on the fence about the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and Heroes of Metro City is apparently a very good one that neither of us has played, but no. I think that will be on our radar for a future game. Yeah. But one I wanted to mention just on the way out, mm-hmm. because it's such a great game, and this could have gone on Monday, it just didn't come up in conversation, and that's Rhino Hero. <laughs> Rhino Hero, yes. Rhino Hero is fantastic. I think it barely counts as a superhero game. Hey, he's wearing a cape and a mask. I'm taking it. <laughs> sure, all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, the thing with this one is it's a great quote-unquote superhero game for kids. Yes, although uh, I love it. And oh, I think sure. there, are, there are many adults that, that love this game, so it's not specifically a kid's Let game. Let me rephrase that to it's kid-accessible. It is kid-accessible, totally. Which a lot of what totally. we've talked about, you kind of have to be probably 11, 12, to really appreciate. Yeah. And this is a balancing game. It's kind of like a cross between Jenga and Uno. Uh, you're building a house of cards. Actually, it's more like a, an apartment building of cards. And when you place a floor on top of... Uh, uh, when you, 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 you look at the card that's on top, and it will show you where you need to play, place the wall cards. You place the wall cards on top, and then a floor on top of it, and that becomes the challenge for the next player at the table. Some of those uh, floor cards will give you special abilities that usually do things to hamper your opponents, like give them extra cards they need to get rid of or force them to uh, skip their turn or reverse direction or place the Rhino Hero. And you, the Rhino Hero is a little meeple that you will place, that the next player will place on that spot on the card. And when another Rhino Hero card appears in the tower, you have to retrieve him from the floor that he's on and redeposit him on the new floor, uh, which can often knock the tower over, causing you to lose the game. It's a, it is fantastic. Yeah. And you also win collectively as a group if you manage to completely 
build the tower, which, which I've great. never seen. No, happen. oh my god, <laughs> never ever no. seen that. I can't even imagine how you would do that because this yeah. thing gets so rickety. Yeah, um, but it's great and it's such a fun little game to play. Uh, heartily recommended. There's now Rhino Hero Super Battle as well, mm-hmm. uh, which I guess that's competitive. I haven't played it yet. You- uh, it is. You're the so instead of building a single tower, you're actually building a complex of buildings. So there'll be several different buildings you're 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 building and as you move your own individual hero up if you land on the same floor with someone else's hero you roll off dice and whoever wins gets to i believe kick the other person down a floor <laughs> something like that it's uh, it's a lot of fun it's much bigger it takes up a lot more table space uh and it's it's pretty cool that's very entertaining i like the sound of that i'll have to give that a go at some point you know, there's one we haven't talked about at all, uh-huh. and that's Heroclix. Oh, this is true. Oh, Heroclix are huge. There's a gigantic topic in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, uh, maybe that's where all the interest for superhero games have gone, into Heroclix. It's been ongoing for, what, 15 years that's now? That's an interesting point. And that stretches beyond superhero games as well, into other, you know, other fields of uh, characters, but of course it started out as a... Um, well, it started out as Mage Knight, which was a yeah. fantasy-based skirmish game. And then they uh, introduced Heroclix, which introduced a map. So Mage Knight, you'd be measuring out distances with little tape measures, whereas Heroclix was played on a board, essentially, a grid. Right. Um, and it's it spanned both the DC and the Marvel universe mm. and myriads of other universes. There was a Hellboy one at one time. There was... Um, oh, what would, there was a video game about uh, um, superheroes... I can't remember. But anyway, they had their own line of, of hero clicks, so it's been huge. That's, I think that may almost be a topic in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to cover that at some point, because mm-hmm. I think that's, uh, we don't have time, unfortunately, this week. But there's an interesting thought. But for now, I think we're going to leave that for this week. Uh, there's a lot there for food for thought, uh, and definitely proof that some good superhero games exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully the trend of good ones coming out increases. And we get some more. I would love to personally see a Marvel Cinematic Universe legacy game. Uh, yeah. Where you kind of commit to uh, being on one side or the other of the fence or whatever. <laughs> I don't know how that would work, but, uh, you know, somebody get on that. I'd, I'd love to play that. <laughs> but yeah, for now, thank you very much, Todd, for coming and talking to us about superheroes. Well, thanks for having me. Mm, greatly appreciated. We're going to leave it for there. Uh, the uh, You can get in touch with us here at podcast at snakesandlattes.com if you would like to uh, ask us any questions about what we're talking about, to say hi, uh, or for any other reason. Uh, the Snakescast is produced by Dax Audio, and music is provided by Ben Sound. Join us next week when we're going to be talking about games that involve creation, be that building something or growing something, uh, which could be quite an interesting topic, I think. The opinions expressed on the Snakes cast are those of the presenters and guests and nobody else's. Thank you very much and see you next week. Bye-bye.